Welcome to the Average Joe Theology Show. My name is Levi Sanders. My name is Jay Schaefer. And that's a new <laughs> intro song that we're going to try there. Um, yeah. I feel I like each bonus needs to be like that. That's so cool. Yeah. I like that. That but, is pretty cool. Yeah, so. man. I love this new board. This thing's so cool. I know. If you guys haven't listened. Once we, once we really master it, we'll be next level. <laughs> next level. If you guys haven't listened, though, we got a new one, like a new board. We're not going to go over the entire thing again because we just did that. Uh what time is it right now, bro? It's like 10 dude, o'clock, it's, dude. It's 10 o'clock. Yeah, man. Like, I'm, I'm excited for this episode, though. Yeah, it's going to be cool. Yeah, you want to explain it? What we're yeah, doing? so so here, here uh, yeah, so let's, let's dive right into it. Um, so basically in this episode, as you guys know, we've been going through the book of Genesis for a while. I'm going chapter by chapter by chapter. Sometimes we cover three at once. Sometimes <laughs> we cover one. The most important ones we do, like three in one yeah, episode. exactly. I, I really don't know why we did that, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh well. Okay, so um yeah, we're going through the book of Genesis, just a chapter by chapter study. I'm trying to hit the the key points and and it's not like a super deep dive. And um, we mm-hmm. you just can't do that if you're coming a chapter at a time in like 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um but we're just trying to hit the key significant points. Genesis is a very important book. And so today, um after having crossed the the midpoint through the book of Genesis, uh we've now gone through we just recorded Chapter twenty seven. Yeah. Um, so so now we're going to do kind of a recap of the first half of the half of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, what have we talked about so far? Um, what's a brief? Chase has has done the due diligence to write us a brief, dis, um, basically just a, a brief summary of each chapter and what we learned, what we talked about. Um, you know, you could do that points. off the top of your head, no, like right no. now. You wouldn't even. No, need. you worked hard, dude. Yeah. And uh, and I I went down a giant rabbit hole. And uh, I've, so, I've so found, Levi brought up this paper yeah. before, and he's like, "All right, so I was gonna do what you what I told you to do, and we just do this together." But, but I, I I chased a rabbit far did. into the New Testament, he's, and instead looked at major themes in the in Genesis and how they were discussed in the New Testament. So, if you want to see how how many arrows somebody can get on a piece of paper pointing, there's to different only two. Points, there's only three arrows. No, I see. 50 right there oh he's not goodness. telling the truth uh no i'm kidding <laughs> but uh yeah no i'm i'm actually excited because i could do this and then you can kind of like yeah jump in cool. for the themes and stuff like that yeah it's gonna be cool so does this it, is just kind of a recap of genesis this almost feels like a bonus episode i know that sounds it does. weird just because we it does but it's kind of part of the genesis study um and honestly this episode will probably go up on friday so this one probably no this is a monday episode though because the bonuses are yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, oh, are you going to do the recap one first before we do 27? Probably, yeah. Oh, wow. All right, guys, so you're getting flip-flopped. Like, we actually... Yeah. So you'll actually be introduced to our new board <laughs> next episode. <laughs> oh, man, no. Then we need to do we need to do 27, and then... Okay, I mean, we can. That's fine. Okay, but first, uh, before we actually went, go into the recap, I just wanted some... Uh, Read some facts here. I found this little fact sheet online. It, look at this. This was actually a, a brilliant resource. I don't oh know who word. did this, but this is all the the New Testament allusions to Genesis and the the, the verse that they come out of a Genesis. That what they have to do with in the New Testament text. It's crazy. Yeah, it was That's good. awesome. It was good. So, um, but I thought these these things at the bottom were awesome. So basically, if you didn't know how important Genesis is to all of Scripture. Okay, all books of the New Testament, with the exception of Philemon, Second John, and Third John, contain allusions to Genesis. 
all New Testament books except Philemon, Second John, and Third John. That's a lot. That is a lot. So they all reference Genesis. Get this. Of the 50 chapters that are in Genesis, only seven of them are not quoted or cited in the New Testament. Wow, that's insane. Yep. Um, more than half of the 200 New Testament allusions to Genesis are found in the first 11 chapters of Genesis. Hmm. The first 11 chapters. 14 of the allusions from the New Testament are found in the flood chapters. Chapters 6, 7, and 8 that have to do with Noah and the flood. Okay. okay. Which I didn't really discuss any themes that have to do with Noah and the flood, but there are a lot of allusions to the New Testament mm-hmm. in the New Testament to Noah and the flood that have to do with baptism or preservation of of God's people and, and so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, 58 refer- references in the New Testament, 58 are related to the person of Abraham. <laughs> That's a lot. Yeah. Father Abraham. Yep. Father Abraham. And get this, last last little fact. 25 of the references were directly from Christ himself. 25 of the references to Genesis in the New Testament were out of the mouth of Jesus himself. Hmm. That's so cool. So Genesis is a key, oh, yeah. key to understanding Scripture, a biblical worldview, shaping it all. It's the foundation. It's the origin. Mm-hmm. Um, and all those facts are come from the, the book, The Genesis Record, by Henry M. Morris. So... Um, Pretty interesting. Pretty interesting little facts. Yeah. So thank you for finding that, Levi. Yeah, man. Our, our listeners thanks, appreciate Google. it. They can. <laughs> thanks, Google. So yeah, let's go through it. Let's get into it. What we got? Let's start. Uh, okay. No, okay. Chapter one. Genesis what did we learn one. in chapter one, Chase? Man. Okay. So if you guys want to bear with me, I know. Okay, I cannot sit down and read all twenty-five chapters that we're gonna talk about here. Like it's literally just snippets. So if I if I miss something, if I don't point out something that you think is important, I'm sorry. All right, I do apologize. But this is just something while I'm going through. Yeah, just I did a brief. Twenty five chapters of just like I was just kind of read through it super quick and just kind of glancing and being like, all right, that's important. That's important. And you say that. And Chase isn't going to read the whole the whole all of them right now. We're going to stop and have some conversations. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, but but yeah, Genesis one. Uh, we see the creation. Of the world, you know, obviously, uh, we see God's unique and and beautiful design for the world. Uh, he creates it in seven days, seven literal days, seven literal days, as we Ooh, talked about in that first episode. Yeah, uh, he makes the heavens, day and night, uh, the water, living creatures, land, and us, man. He makes man, and uh, something that I thought that was super important that needed to be said also was that he makes man in his own image. It says, "Yep." Um, I think this let is let us make man in our own image. That's exactly, man. We're on the same page. Look same at you. Page. I was about to be like, this is also literally. Yeah, same we page. see the first page of Genesis. <laughs> the first page. There you go. <laughs> see the triune God talked about here, uh, which is very important. So that's that's Genesis one. Um, then we go on to Genesis two. Uh, God finishes his creation. He rests on the on the. Uh, I wrote third day. That's definitely not true. <laughs> on the seventh no, day. No, he rose on the third day. He, he rested on the seventh day. Do I think this problem was going through my head? It probably was. Uh, so God plants. Uh, so the seventh day, God rests. God, uh, he then plants in the Garden of Eden. He plants the Garden of Eden, and then he creates Adam. And the Lord creates animals. Um, he pl- plants all the stuff in, that he put in the garden. 
And then uh, he also creates Eve. We see her uh, because man should, he needs a helper. It says like Adam should not be there doing that all by himself. He needs a helper. So God creates woman, man and woman. Marriage uh, is there. And the man and woman also, it says, are placed over creation, which I thought was super cool. So they're over naming the animals. They're over they're they're better than the animals. It's not like right. they're just another animal that God's created. Like, no, God gave them dominion. He, dominion. And their, their dominion or their limited sovereignty, as we talked about in the episode, yes. is part of being made in the image of God. Yeah, so we actually the, have an episode specifically on that. So <laughs> not placed over then. They're not over creation, but they're what you said. So that makes better sense. Um and so that's in Genesis two. And then we see the dreadful terrible genesis 3 the fall of man so uh there's a serpent in the garden we all know it we've heard this story uh he tempts the woman um the knowledge uh the tree of the knowledge of good and evil um he makes her question god um and it's funny because people allude always to the adams off in the corner of the garden and and eve's just there by herself weak and helpless and just like the, the devil's there tempting her. No, Adam's right there. He's literally right there as she's doing all this. Um, he sees that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil um, was a delight to the eyes and to be desired. She took the fruit and she ate, and Adam also ate. Uh, the man and woman realized that they were naked, and then they hid from God. God comes into the garden, and he's asking where they're at. And he's like, hey, where are you guys? And they, they come out, and they said, we're naked. So uh, God... It's like, how do you know that? You ate of the knowledge tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then he punishes the serpent. Uh, he punishes the woman and the man. And then we see that he kicks him out at the end, uh, kicks him out of the Garden of Eden. Puts a puts an angel there with a fiery sword. And he's yep. like, you will not get in here. And he does that because of grace. I remember we talked about that episode as well yeah. because if they – had stayed there and eaten of the tree of life, then they would live forever separated from God. And thank thank the Lord that he didn't do that. So then uh, do you got something to say? Yeah, let's stop right there for just a minute. Okay. Um, so, yeah, if you guys have been following the Genesis series, um, as we've already alluded to, we royally messed up and covered episode or Genesis 1, 2, and 3 in one episode and did not do um, it. Did not do it justice. No, there's so much. So there's so much we could have talked about there. And one thing that I've just been deep into recently um, that has just blessed me. and all he talks about. Oh, man, it's just so good. Um, And so I just want to talk about that briefly. I'll try to be brief. Um, This is one of the rabbit holes? This is one of the rabbit holes. This is probably the main rabbit hole. I could spend all day here if I I wanted to. Okay, okay. So let's talk about marriage. Marriage. Okay, but not only marriage, but um, the biblical roles for men and women in general, biblical manhood and womanhood okay. and marriage. It's all rooted in Genesis. It's all rooted right here. Yeah. We see marriage um, created as God makes Adam, and then he makes Eve, and he, and, and he literally says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Verse 24 of chapter 2. Okay? He creates marriage right there. God institutes it. So what what about it, right? What's what's important about marriage? Well, obviously God instituted it. So we should not be able to redefine it however we want to. Yeah. As we're saying a lot. Because today. man did not create it, God did. Yeah. 
as we are seeing a lot today, but but just that whole idea that God created one flesh. The two mm-hmm. shall become one flesh, right? Um, so so there's so many other marriage texts you could refer to, um, and, and one of them being 1 Corinthians 11. You see Paul kind of talk about um, that, that two becoming one. He says, Now I commend you because you remember me in everything and maintain the traditions. Uh, yes, right here. Um, as I have delivered them to you. But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of a wife is her husband. And the head of Christ is God. Right? Mm-hmm. So you see that, you see that, um, the, hierarchy. the head of man, or the, the head of a, a woman is her husband. Mm-hmm. And the head of man is Christ. Um, you see, you also see the, that divine, um, making of one, that union of marriage in, um, uh, I've, I'm all over the place. Here we go. In Ephesians five, um, Paul's great section on on marriage, and he he really talks about it. He says, "Um, where am I at? Oh, right here. Uh, wives <laughs> submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands." Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, a husband should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of the body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. That's a straight quote from Genesis. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church, right? So so we see that union mm-hmm. that God ordains in the garden of, of marriage, and you can even look at the end of Malachi 2, where Malachi's um, condemning the the priests for how they've treated their wives. Mm-hmm. And he even says, did God not make you one with this with the spirit in your marriage ceremony did he not make you one um and so you see that union and you see jesus even talk about that union in in mark and in matthew as he's teaching on divorce yeah he says what god has has joined together let no man separate mm-hmm. right this is a divine union in in marriage and then you see that in um and, and you're probably thinking if you're listening to this like where is this going what does this have to do with genesis yeah I, I was going to say earlier, I think I said the word hierarchy. I don't think that was the right word that I should have said there. So I'm just going to make people are going to be like, dude, that was so stupid of him for to say. So that's not what I meant by by the way. So it was no, a hierarchy. Good. I meant like the way that it was stacked yes. up to be intended. So okay. the, just order or that. Thank yeah. you. Thank you so much. I, hierarchy was not the word. You're good. Meant. It was like, but, gnawing but listen, on me. just, just so hit ahead. this, hit this other this other text, and yeah. then we'll go back to Genesis and we'll wrap it all up together. Um, so in First Peter 3, another section on marriage, Ephesians 5, 1 Peter 3. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a 
gentle, and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy woman, who hoped in God, used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Right, so some people read that and they're like, whoa, hold up, what's he talking about? <laughs> Women are the weaker vessel. Yeah. Well, I heard it described, I think it was Doug Wilson put it this way, and I love this. The weaker vessel, that doesn't mean like, it, it's it's a weakness that needs to be honored, right? So he says, husbands, live with your wives um, in an understanding way, mm-hmm. honoring them as the weaker vessel. Okay. It's a weakness that needs to be honored, right? So um, imagine you have a, a t- $20 sledgehammer and you have a $10,000 ornate vase. You're going, that, that vase is a whole lot more fragile than the sledgehammer is. Yeah. But you're going to care for it. You're going to honor it mm-hmm. in a way that you're not going to treat it like the sledgehammer. That makes sense. Right? So, so husbands should look to their wives as, as that, that, cha- that prized possession, that, that cherishable um, thing that we are to honor that is, that is, that is the weaker vessel, right? So, yeah. so um, just the same as, as, so he, in another part in scripture, it talks about the, the woman being the, the crown jewel, right? Or the, or the crown of her husband. And so, um, you know, kings don't leave their crowns out in the open. They lock them up within a fortress. Yeah. Right. And so that fortress should be the husband. He should be living in, in, in a way with his wife that's understanding, not quick to judge, not quick to be angry, mm-hmm. um, but understanding that she is going to be tempted to worry, tempted to be anxious, tempted to, and, and we should guard her from that. Yeah. As the as the weaker vessel, we should take care of her. We should honor her her weakness in that. Um, and so so then you go back to the garden. Let's go back to the garden. Yeah. See what happens. Okay. We see, yeah. we see. We see. Um, the the creation order created. We see man created, and what's he supposed to do? He's supposed to keep the garden. He's mm-hmm. supposed to work the garden and keep it. Yeah. And then he says, you know, it's not good for man to be alone. You need a helper. So he makes woman who is to be the helper of man as he works the garden. Okay. We see that in the create created structure. Those those roles, and then and a lot of people don't like the idea that there are biblical roles for men and women. Mm-hmm. But we see this right. In Genesis, and it's even emphasized. I know I'm almost done. We'll wrap no, this up. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm seeing if it, there's like a pause button if we ever we need to do a break. I was thinking about that. Oh, yeah. I was like, hmm, I wonder if they could do that. Like, just pause it right here. But it's super cool. Go ahead. I'm not. I'm, okay. I'm not. Do you saying, need to take a break? No, no. Okay. I, I was thinking about. It, I'm like, hmm. I might. What if I needed to pee or something like that? I'm like, could we take a little break? I'm sure we could. Yeah, that's we could probably like, just press pa- re- st- record and just start again. Okay. okay. And then just put them together. So so you know, Levi was very like I was looking at the time and Levi was like oh dude am I taking yeah. too much time no like, no you no just kept looking at it I dude was like, you're getting man. me ramped up for marriage man no okay dude, so this let's is go awesome. back to the garden right so you see these you see these biblical you see these roles of biblical manhood and womanhood instituted mm-hmm. as the man is created to be the keeper of the garden and the woman is created to be his helper yeah then you see them emphasized in the punishments they receive for the fall yeah. So to the woman, he says, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children, and your desire shall be for your husband, to be over your husband. But um, he shall rule over you. Yeah. Right? So not only 
do we see that they are to be submissive to their husbands because one of their punishments is that they're not going to want to be. Mm-hmm. And also um, to be the, the nurturer, the, lo- the loving mother figure um, as they bring forth children. And then to Adam, he says, um, you know, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I command, commanded you shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles will grow up, and you shall eat of the plants of the, of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. Right? So so yeah. your work's going to be a whole lot harder mm-hmm. than, yeah, it, than it initially was. So So let's sum this up. It's just crazy if you look at the Bible through the lens of, of marriage as a macro theme that, that what happened in the garden was a failed marriage as, as Adam did not protect Eve. He did not honor her as the weaker vessel. Instead, he, he let her fail. Mm-hmm. And that's why, um, you know, I've, I've always thought it interesting. You go to the new Testament and multiple times it says, um, it, for, for example, in, in Romans five twelve, um, let me flip there really fast. Romans five twelve, yeah. Um, it says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Right? I always, I always read that, and I was like, but I thought Eve sinned first. <laughs> yeah, Eve sinned first. She ate the apple first, mm-hmm. right? But no, Adam sinned first because he failed as a husband. Yeah, it was his fault. He, he was the head of his wife, and he failed her. He should have been there. He, he should, should have been there. He should have protected her. her. He yeah. should have. He should have. Um, and and then and then not only does he fail to do that, but when she sins, he doesn't say, "Oh man, let's repent of this sin." You know, instead they hide from God, and instead of saying, "God, it was my fault. I failed. I did not protect her. Take me." And laying down his life to God for his bride that sinned, like Christ did. Instead. Adam says, no, the woman that you gave me, she made me sin. <laughs> he blames it on her. Yeah. Right? So it's a failed marriage. And then from there, from the fall, you see the created order and the biblical roles in marriage marred and and um, warped all the way throughout history. Right? All the rest of Genesis, you're introduced to homosexuality. You're introduced to polygamy. You're introduced to, um, I mean, you could go on and on, right? Yeah, there's, yeah. there's just all sorts of sexual immorality and warped ways that that God's initial design for marriage and human sexuality is distorted. Mm-hmm. But then it's restored in Ephesians 5, right? So failed marriage in the garden, you look to God creating for his son a bride yeah. that will be holy and blameless before him through Christ's righteousness, right? So then... Um, in Ephesians 5, Paul reveals it all. He says, okay, well, now that you're empowered through Christ Jesus and grace, you can now live to how God created it to work in the first place. Mm-hmm. So that's why he says, husbands, you need to do this. You need to lead your wives. You need to to honor them. You need to love them. And then wives, you need to submit to your husbands. And you need to, to make sure you are adorning your your spiritual self, not your physical self, yeah. um, and so on and so forth. And and at the end of the day, he's, at the end of Ephesians 5, he says, and and this is a mystery, and it has to do with Christ and the church, right? So marriage in and of itself is just a, an example of the gospel, of mm-hmm. how it works for for Christ and His church. And so, what is lost? What is lost when you when you warp and distort biblical manhood and womanhood? It's the gospel. Mm-hmm. You're 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 distorting it. 
right? So I just think that's just phenomenal theme how you look in yeah. Genesis and how it's all rooted in Genesis. And you know, another second, another section in the New Testament where it really discusses uh, manhood and womanhood is is First Timothy two, as it gives the role. You know, it says, "I do not." He, we we just released an episode on. Um, women teaching and preaching in the church. Yeah. And and that's the key text there where, where Paul says, I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. And then a lot of people say, well, he roots it in culture or he roots it in this or he roots it in this. But no, the very next line is, for Adam was created first and then Eve. He roots it in the created order in mm-hmm. Genesis. This yeah. is where all this comes from, right? So it's just phenomenal how it's tied in. You look through the lens of marriage as a as a macro theme throughout Scripture and in, in, in that the very first marriage was a failed one. Mm-hmm. Adam failed his wife. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that there wasn't repentance and restoration after the fall as they um, had kids and so on and so forth. But mm-hmm. I just found that interesting. So I know that was yeah. like a, a, t- a long tangent. No, 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 no. Okay, so I, I got to say this. Like, you got me hyped, dude, for like marriage. And, but I was just, I was sitting here just like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And because like, uh, to be honest, the way that, we do marriage nowadays is oh, so, it's so garbage. It's so pathetic. Yeah. It's pathetic. We, we, we take this, um, like you just make it sound so, um, like the it's way you awesome, just explained dude. it. Yeah. That God takes these two. Yeah. I just makes them one. It. Yeah. I mean, it's like, they're and, just one. And the thing is, is like, that's a mystery. It's a mystery. Yeah, Paul. That's what they, Paul says that. And so, but the thing is, is nowadays you have these people. The, this you have the you just the United States. Let's just say fifty percent of marriages in divorce, and and you see like people are like, oh yeah, you know what? I really like this girl. I'm gonna get married to her. And then you're like, and then they're like, well, man, do you want she? She just kind of sucks. So I got divorced, and I'm like, <laughs> but no, I'm not kidding. That's like that's so frustrating because the way that you just described it, I'm just sitting here kind of awestruck. I'm like, man. That is so beautiful. It's such a mystery. It's such an amazing thing that God's created. It's not something that we've taken as just, well, you know what? It gets me benefits with the law. I could do this and that, and there we go. I don't like it gets her anymore. me tax write offs. Um, yeah. And then divorce. I, I can flee <laughs> sexual lust. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's good, but that's not the primary reason. Exactly. And so my thing is, is like, I just see such a distorted. Yeah way that we do it today for well, such mean, a beautiful thing that we exactly. take. I feel like we've taken it for granted. Yeah. Well, well at the end of the day, it, it once again, it, like I say, I could go on and on. Yeah. I, I taught a lesson last week in youth on yeah. Romans one. Mm-hmm. And one of my big things was like, you see Paul lay out. This is what happens when, you know, you, you, God loot, looses you to exactly what you want your sinfulness mm-hmm. and, and you go in you know you're radically depraved mm-hmm. and um and he turns you over to the to the desires of your heart to the desires of your flesh and you see sexual sin come out yeah. in, in in romans one paul talks about homosexuality yeah. that they you know the the women gave up natural relations for those that are contrary to nature and men gave up natural relations to and were infatuated with each other mm-hmm. well the reality is we're seeing that today and it's because of of man's idolatry of ourself, and yeah. then so so we elevate ourselves above God, and we think, well, God created this nice institution of marriage, but you know now we're kind of above God, and we're we can kind of redefine it to whatever we want it to be. That's what that's what so United we can States you know we done. can call it a civil union, and so that we can just you know just yeah get divorced whenever it doesn't work out, or 
whenever the next person comes along or, um, you know, that two guys can quote unquote marry each other. Well, no, here's the, here's the reality. It's not a marriage because <laughs> the, the title is not all that it is. Yeah. It's not the title and the tax write-offs in your marriage certificate. It's God taking two individuals and making them one. Mm-hmm. And he does not do that unless it is as he has ordained it to be. Yeah. So can uh, whenever I get married, could you, before I get married, uh, during my wedding, say all of that again? Because yeah, sure. that literally was the yeah, sure. coolest I'll, thing I'll ever. I'll preach a fiery sermon <laughs> Dude, at your wedding. Yeah, do it. I'll I'll, I'll, let, I'll have Aaron marry me, and but then like before we get married, we'll all just come in and walk, and you'll just preach from the side that because that was awesome. That got me fired up. I know we we we've literally taken thirty minutes and covered three chapters. Okay, well, do you know what? We spent an hour and a half on Genesis one through three. I think we can go a little bit longer on this That's episode. True. I mean, I'll kind of rush through it. I'll rush through it. Okay, so, so, so I, sorry, bro. No, you're fine. So, uh, like Genesis four. So after that spicy thing Levi just brought the rabbit hole, I'm glad he did. Um, we see Genesis four. Adam and Eve conceived their first child, Cain and Abel. Uh, they both, why is my voice sound so weird? I just know it sounds good. Sounds good, dude. Okay. Uh, thanks bro. They both, (laughs) they both all make offerings to the Lord. Uh, the Lord accept Abel's offering, but denies Cain's because it was not acceptable. Um, and because of his anger and his frustration, God goes to him. He's like, Hey, don't, don't give into your anger. And guess what Cain does? He does that. Uh, and he's, Kills his brother. We see our first murder. Slays him. Slays him. Uh, by, uh, like It's like the ground speaks of your brother's blood is what it talks about. And uh, he's like, I'm not my brother's keeper. It's like the ground literally screams from your with your brother's blood. Like, it's crazy. And then uh, because of the anger, Cain kills his brother. Cain is now punished and sent away. And Adam and Eve have another, na- name, have another son named Seth. Uh, Genesis 5, uh, we see a bunch of descendants of Adam. Um, we see Adam dies at 930 years old. And then we also see another prominent character I would say is Enoch, uh, walked with God. And, um, it says that, you know, I think basically people have come to the conclusion. He goes up with God. We don't really know how he dies and never says he actually died. And then we see our first glimpse of Noah, which is another big character. Uh, Genesis six, uh, man begins to multiply. God limits the age to 120 years old, and then God sees the wickedness of man. So we see a progression here of of man and how how they've gotten too old. They're doing, you know, they're getting like 900 years old and stuff like that. And uh, so God sees the wickedness, though, of man. He limits their age, sees the wickedness of man, and he has a plan to blot out basically all of man from the face of the from the earth. Like he wants to kill them all, just kind of almost restart. And, uh, but thankfully the Lord, as we see basically through all of Genesis finds grace and finds Noah and finds favor in God's what? You guys stop. You guys stop rubbing your Bible. Oh, really? It picks up on your microphone. Oh man. <laughs> Call me out. All right. All right. Uh, but Noah finds favor in God's eyes. I thought I said something wrong. I was like, oh, no. Oh, you're good. I was like, is grace not? I was like, I thought grace was <laughs> grace is everywhere. Because <laughs> he said that right whenever I was like, I was like, oh, gosh. Um, so God tells Noah to make an ark of gopher wood. And he explains how to make it. You know, we all know that. And then there's the flood. And um, it's God's design to destroy all flesh. All that he just 
is all wicked. That's what we all deserve. Like we had talked about is death. And then, um, he tells Noah to gather every animal, male and female, and says that Noah did what God commanded. So we see the faithfulness of Noah, the grace of God, the justice of God here. And then we move on to Genesis seven. Um, Noah's told by God to go into that ark. And in seven days, the waters of the flood came upon the earth and it continued for 40 days and 40 nights and all over the earth. Uh, The flesh died. God did what he said, showed grace. It literally says he shut them into the ark. So God's the one that's literally carrying this vessel by wind through, which is just super cool. Again, grace, the, the main theme here. And that's Levi's when, marriage, grace, all this stuff going on. And that's when Pangea was split up. Yeah, man. The Pangea. Grand Canyon was made. <laughs> I, I got to stop doing that in my Bible. It's like a tick because I'm just talking a lot. Oh, no, you're good. So, uh, also, also, and then and then the flood recedes. The re- flood recedes, yeah. Is that the next chapter? Uh, in eight, yep. The yep, water subsides. Flood recedes. And then the, the ark settles on Mount Ararat in Turkey. You can look it up on Google Maps. <laughs> Didn't you say it was there still? You it's can still there, dude. You can see it on Google Maps. Say it on Google Maps, man. It's gopher wood, I'm telling you. Dude, I bet there's so many conspiracy theories around that. No, I'm serious. You can look it up on Google Maps. No, I'm just saying, you know, people are like, man, the government's trying to take over. <laughs> They're trying to silence the Bible. <laughs> and just, I don't even know, something stupid like that. But, uh, Noah sends out a bunch of birds uh, to try to basically see if the land was good for them to leave. And uh, then the water's dried up a bird comes back it's it's carrying um what proves that they can get out of the ark and so god commands noah to leave the ark and take every creeping thing with him and multiply and be fruitful so what else would noah do at this point we've seen all of this crazy stuff happen and a quick little progression uh noah builds an altar to god and god makes a promise to never curse the ground because of man um, Genesis nine, we move on and God blesses, uh, Noah. God gives the food of animals to be eaten for man. So, Hey, we can eat some meat now. Heck yeah. Yes. We can now not now only let, have to be Now vegans. let's go to Brazarios. Yeah. Now let's go to Brazarios. I remember we talked about that. That's the that first thing episode. Noah did. Go to Brazarios. There you go. He just started going hard. It's like, Hey, as long as it ain't a medium or medium rare, you should be yeah, good. Give me some of that lamb, le- leg of lamb. No. Oh some of that leg of lamb so and bad. some grilled pineapple. That's what I'm talking about. What's those little Brazilian juices? I think we've talked about oh, this like guanana, three times. Guanana. Oh, dude, that's dude, so good. I had some for about a week. Somebody gave it to me. I was like, this is the greatest stuff in the entire world. Uh, I love that stuff. But uh, <laughs> we got, now we can eat animals, so heck yeah. And then he gives a command against murder. So um, Because man is made in God's own image. Um, blood for blood, um, which is pretty cool. And then uh, God establishes his covenant with Noah and every living creature and creates the rainbow and the cloud to signify he will never, ever flood the earth again. Again, showing grace. God literally should have another flood is what he should do for, not what he should do, but what he could do and it be just to do so. Well, what he should have done is just wiped out everybody in the first flood, Noah and everybody. But he didn't. Nope. Grace. Grace. Grace upon grace upon grace. Upon but, grace. but doesn't, um, he didn't want heaven without us. Oh didn't want no, stop. without us. Stop. We actually stopped singing that that part in the song. We actually that changed song was, that. Song. The song's so bad. 
<laughs> if you guys want to know something crazy, Levi literally hates all contemporary Christian music. That's not true. That's not true. <laughs> Shane and Shane slaps. Yeah, they wear they wear baggy jeans, so Shane that's okay. And Shane for is Levi. good. Shane and Shane is good. Getty music, so, Sovereign Grace music. That's pretty much it. That's it. <laughs> so God creates the rainbow and the clouds to signify he will never flood the earth again. Uh, we see descendants of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And we also see a little story that I thought was kind of important with Noah where um, he gets drunk and he's naked. And Ham marks, makes fun of his father. Uh, but because of that, he's cursed by his father, Noah. Like all of his descendants are like screwed because he was stupid. Making <laughs> fun of his drunk dad. So, um, yeah, that's, that's always kind of, I'm just, I always look at that story. I'm just like, dude, your, your name's Ham and you really messed up. So that just sucks on you, dude. So, uh, yeah, there's that. In Genesis 10, uh, we see the descendants of Noah more in depth, very huge genealogy stuff going on their own languages, how the lineage is set up, what will happen for thousands of generations. I mean, this is literally these three individuals create people, create descendants that are to us now, why we're here, which is just crazy to think about. Um, Genesis 11, we see the Tower of Babel. That's really when Pangea split up. It actually, it got. It says God uh, placed people all throughout the earth. So that's whenever or we started. Or Pangea was split at the... At the flood, and then he just placed people on the different continents. That's how you get at the Tower of Babel. Yeah, that's how you get the dang. Um, Either way, what the Bible says is true. Stop listening to science. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's how you got Native Americans here. That's, that's true. How though. You had... Science is an observation system of what God has created. Well, yeah, I we're mean, done. God's science doesn't give you the answer. You ain't got the answer, Sway. How dare they question God? Blasphemy! <laughs> that's, that's so fun. I love it. You need to get that thing away from me. Uh, but yeah, so we see the Tower of Babel. Men that start to make a stone structure. They're getting smart. They're making stone stuff. They're yep. they're they're making. They're bricks. not living in mud anymore. No, they ain't. They're getting smart. So uh, they wanted to try to reach those heavens. You know, they're like, we want to get up there. So the men rebel against God, and so the Lord disperses them all over the face of the earth. Changes the language so that they can't understand each other. And then, again, we see some more descendants, uh, some more genealogy, some really cool stuff like that um, of people spread all over the earth. Genesis 12, we're about halfway there. <laughs> so just bear with me. We see a man named Abram here, and God tells him to go from his country, and he will bless him. And um, we we actually do see Abram at the end of 11, I believe, and then it moves on to 12, and we see us start to follow Abram. Um, but God tells him to go from his country and he will bless him. And Abraham listens to what the Lord tells him. Um, Sarai and uh, his wife, uh, Sarai, his wife, and his nephew Lot leave for the land of Canaan. That's where God had told them to go. And Abraham goes after that to Egypt also. And we see here where he sends, he sends, says sins, S-E-N-D-S. That's funny. Sins by calling his wife his sister so that he won't be killed whenever he goes to Egypt. And then, um, which I always think is just such a, sorry, man, that's such a, a thing I need to do. A little tick. I'm like rubbing my Bible. Uh, but yeah, we see, again, this is like the first instance of this happening. It happens like, what, three or four times? <laughs> They're like, that's my sister, dude. It's not my wife. 
So they, so Abram goes there with uh, Sarai, and he's like, "Yeah, uh, Egyptians. This lady is not my uh, wife. This is my sister, so that he won't be killed." And then, uh, they Pharaoh takes her to marry her, um, but the Lord puts a plague on all of Pharaoh's house, and Pharaoh sends them away. After he finds out the lie, he's like, "Get out of here! Get this plague away from me, and don't ever come back." And so uh, Genesis 13, Abram went back into uh, Negeb, I believe. Negeb, the herdsmen of Lot here in Genesis 13 uh, had, grown, had grown too big. And so uh, a room, uh, so that there was no strife basically between Lot and stuff because there had been so many people. Yeah. They're just sitting there and they're like, well, uh, how about this? Lot, you, you go pick over whatever you want. And I'll just kind of go the opposite direction. I don't want to have any problems with us, anything going on like that. So uh, Lot goes uh, and he picks the Jordan Valley. And then God tells Abraham that all the land, though, that he sees is going to go to Abram and his offspring. And so Abram moves his tent and he settles and he looks and he goes to the Oaks of um, Memory, I guess is what it's called. Then we move on to. Genesis 14, if you remember that, this is where uh, the great war is at. There's the there's a bunch of kings, some of, like Sodom and Gomorrah, the kingdoms of them are all fighting. And Lot gets kind of caught up in all of that fighting that's going on, and he actually gets all this stuff stolen along with him. So um, Abram hears about this. He has to go and actually fight the king who won that huge battle. And he goes and runs after Lot. Gets all the stuff, which it leads to somebody really cool. And I know you got something on this, Levi. Maybe we can. I can stop talking for a minute because I feel like I've just talked for like ever right now. Almost. But, uh, you got to go a little bit more in there. Oh yeah, he gets the he gets all the possessions back, and then he meets a very very interesting character named what Levi. Did he just turn his over to me so I say it funny and you can make fun of me? No, I, I was hoping you'd say it right. I just didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> what is is it Melchizedek? Melchizedek. Yeah. Melchizedek. Don't oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. So he meets Melchizedek. Okay. Um I'm not gonna go big into it, but obviously Jesus is related to Melchizedek multiple times in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Check Hebrews seven. Yeah. Talks um, about it. Is a big big section on it. No mother or father. Just read all no of Hebrews. Okay. Or... Read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and go read Hebrews. And then you'll be up to date. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Thanks, Levi. No, yeah, it's good. He meets Melchizedek, um, so that's mm-hmm. cool. Then we see God make a covenant with Abram. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, let's take a, a, a brief stop here for a second. So um, God shows up to Abram in a vision, and he makes a covenant with him, right? He says um, that he will bless him. He said, look towards the heaven and number the stars if you're able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Ooh, that's mm-hmm. awesome. He believed the Heck Lord, yeah. and it was counted as righteousness. So Abram was justified by faith alone. Okay, mm-hmm. If you want some reading on that, Abraham being justified by faith, go read Romans 4, and go read Hebrews 11, the Hebrew Hall of Fame. He's in there. Um, talks about him being justified by faith. Okay, but first of all, I just want to take, take a, a quick stop here. Um, and just talking about the covenant with Abraham that that God makes with Abra- okay. Abraham, okay, or Abram through through yeah. which he has Ishmael, which is in the 
coming chapters and then Isaac later on. And so the, the covenant they makes with Abram. And I just think this is cool right here. Galatians 3, okay, goes hard on the covenant that he made with Abram. He says this, starting in verse 7. Know then that it is those of faith who are sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abram, Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. So everyone is cursed, right? Yeah, there it is. Everybody's, everybody's condemned. Going on in verse 11. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us for it is written cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree so that in christ jesus the blessing of abraham might come to the gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith now get this this is where it gets real spicy to give a human example brothers even with a man-made covenant no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified now the promises were made to abraham and to his offspring okay now get this this is what paul says it does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. This is what I mean. The law, which came 430 years afterward, being after Abraham and his okay. covenant, the law, which came 430 years afterward, does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God, so as to make the promise void. For if the inheritance comes by the law, it is no longer it no longer comes by the promise, but God gave it to Abraham by the promise. Mm. This says later on, um, the scripture imprisoned everything under sin, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. So the promise of the gospel was given to Abraham in his covenant before the law ever came. So the law doesn't change that. That's mm-hmm. why it's all fulfilled in Christ Jesus, and therefore applied to Gentiles. Yeah. To his offspring, one person, Christ. The promises that God made to Abraham were all fulfilled in the one person of Christ Jesus. Mm. That's who his offspring were. Thank you. That's pretty good. So, um, yeah. If you want more reading on covenant with Abraham, read Romans 4 and the Hebrew Hall of Fame in Hebrews 11. And uh, with that, let's, what, what we got coming next after that? Genesis 15. Man, Genesis I feel 15. like I'm sorry, guys. This is literally the most monotone terrible thing in the entire world now you're doing a good job you're summing it up well it's a lot it's just it's a lot it is let's i mean we can just we can just look at it and just briefly yeah discuss i mean what what chapter we on 15 yeah we see see god make a covenant with abraham then we see sarah and hagar right so sarah's Mm -hmm. like okay well i'm not having a child god made a covenant with abraham he's got to have some offspring let's take my female servant and you can go um, have a child with her, and then you'll have some offspring to kind of, you know, that way God's promise works. Yeah. So it, he does it. He does. And he then, does. And then and he, Ishmael <laughs> is the result. Yes. His and, son of uh, Ishmael. And then we see um, God come back down, have um, create the covenant of circumcision. We see circumcision there enforced, and, and that's discussed in, in uh, I believe, uh, Hebrews 11 or Romans 4, one of them. Discusses how how he he was justified with by faith, um, with with righteousness before mm-hmm. he was circumcised. So it didn't have anything to do with him being part of the circumcision. 
mm-hmm. right? So because that was one of the things that the Jews were, were saying at the time. So um, we see that instituted. We see Isaac's birth promised, but Isaac still is not coming, right? And then Abraham, uh, w- once again, remember God, and and they they visit Sarah. They say Sarah's going to have a child. Sarah she laughs. Laugh. Yeah. Um, and and but God says, no, listen, you're going to have a child. I'm going to come back next year at the same mm-hmm. time, and she's going to be pregnant. Um, and so he goes off. He's going to, you know, him and him and his boys go strolling toward <laughs> Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and Abraham's like, yo, hold up. What are you guys going to do? You know, yep. my boy Lot's down there. Yeah. Yeah. Chapter, chapter uh, 18, we're right here. And, um, and, and he's like, okay, what if there's like, I forgot what number he starts at, he's, like 50. I thought it was 100. He's, he starts at 50. Oh, does he start at 50? Yeah. Okay, he says, okay. if I find at Sodom 50 righteous, or the Lord responds, if I find 50 righteous people in the city, I'll spare the whole place. Because okay. Abraham's like, if you, what if there's 50 good people down there? You're going <laughs> to kill everybody? And God's like, if I find 50 people, cool. we're good. Knowing that there's not a single good person in there, <laughs> the whole city. Um, and so he's... The Lord could have easily looked at Abraham when Abraham said, what if you find 50 good people in there and, and been like, listen, bro, I wouldn't find 50 good people in the whole world. <laughs> okay, but yeah, okay, I get your point. I'll spare it for 50 good people. And he's like, what about 40 good people? Yeah, I'll spare it for 40 good people. What about 30 good people? Yeah, I will. I'm basically saying, you know, if I find one in this town that is good, I will spare the city. Um, he goes down, and this is where it gets wild right so you get the the god and the angels go into or the the angels go into sodom um to check it out in genesis 19 and they they almost get raped by these sexually immoral horrible people all the men in the city all of them so um they all they don't though lot saves them so the angels say hey lot you know we're gonna save you let's obviously being god's will that abram that lot be spared um, so, so Lot, they basically do. God destroys Sodom, and Lot and his family leave. Lot's wife turns around and looks and turns into salt. Yeah, as God told them not to look back, to to go. Um, so Lot and his daughters go up into the mountains, and then it gets even weirder. And <laughs> and and Lot's daughters do some weird hoodoo on their father, get him drunk, and and it just gets crazy. Um, so that's what we see in just nineteen. Then in Genesis 20, we see Abraham and Abimelech. Once again, the theme mm-hmm. comes back where, where Abraham is like, this is not my wife. This is my sister. And gets in trouble with Abimelech, which is funny. I mean, we, we just discussed recently. Um, this, this is the same exact scenario and same exact person that we see Isaac do the same thing with later mm-hmm. with Abimelech. Yeah. So um, we see that. And then in verse 21 or chapter 21, we see the birth of Isaac. The child of the promise, mm-hmm. the child of Abraham. A hundred years Sarah. old. That's how old Abraham is. A hundred years old when Isaac was born. And uh, so Hagar is cast out with Ishmael. They go out and she meet uh, she meets God, and God's like, "Hey, he's going to have a bunch of descendants. Don't worry." Just so they uh, so they leave, and uh, then there's a treaty with Abimelech. This is created between like Abraham and Abimelech. Yes. So and. Uh, then we see that in Genesis 21, we see Sarah. Well, let's stop right there. Whoa. Okay. Let's stop right there real quick. What you got? I just want to talk about this. Galatians 4. Galatians 4. Yeah. Okay. Real quick, other side tangent. I know that we've been going for almost an hour. 
Man, we've not um, hit this long of an episode in we a while. Haven't. This we is haven't. awesome. So this is a big recap episode. But this is the last tangent I'll go on. Um, so so we see here, we just talked about um, Abraham and, and Hagar, mm-hmm. which resulted in Ishmael. Yeah. And then we see Abraham with his true wife, his one flesh, mm-hmm. um, Sarah, which results in Isaac. And Paul here uses Hagar and Sarah to to kind of draw an analogy or if you will, you know, be a type of of Israel and the church, the two covenants. So he says here, um, starting in Galatians four, verse twenty one and following, tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise, right? So the the son born through um, Hagar was really in sin. It was through the flesh because he was united as one to his wife, Sarah. And it was was, um, adulterous to to sleep with Hagar. And so um, we see see Ishmael is not the child of the promise. We see that the, the, the son that is born through the promise is Isaac. Um, now, this may be interpreted allegorically, Paul says. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children from slavery. She is Hagar. Now, Hagar is Mount Sinai in, in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. Now, what is Jerusalem in slavery to? The law, mm-hmm. right? So, um, going on verse 26, but Jerusalem above is free and she is our mother for it is written rejoice O barren one who does not bear break forth and cry aloud you who are not in labor for the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband now you brothers like isaac are children of promise and this is once again paul writing to the church in galatia you brothers like isaac are children of the promise but just as at that time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the spirit. So also it is now. But what does scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. We are free in Christ. In the next very next verse, he says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. For freedom, Christ has set us free. We're free from the law, free from slavery, right? That's why I got this nice little clip of Braveheart. <laughs> we have been made free um, from the law, free from from our sin, and and so I just think that's a cool little allegory. Obviously, um, we believe that Hagar and both Hagar and Ishmael and Sarah and Isaac were literal historical figures, mm-hmm. um, and and it was key in God's providence bringing forth the promise He made to Abraham. But um, I thought that was a cool allegory, so we should mm-hmm. discuss that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. That's awesome. So I thought that was helpful. And then uh, going on, what do we see? 22, uh, Abraham follows the commands of God. He's got to give up Isaac as a sacrifice. And I feel like this is a really cool story because we see that uh, Abraham proves by faith uh, whenever he gives his son up for a sacrifice that he will do that, and he does that by faith. And God still gives a sacrifice in place for um, his son and for his son Isaac. And the ram is there, um, and it's a perfect illustration of, of Jesus, you know, yeah. and it's it's amazing. It's the gospel. 
And uh, then we move on to Genesis 23. See the death of Sarah. She's old. Um, Abraham, though, he's like, I, I don't want my wife just while we're sojourning to, to just be buried somewhere. So he buys land. And he takes that land and he buys it. And for 400 shekels, and that's where he buries her. And many generations later, that's where all of them are going to be buried. So it was in that land that Abraham buys. Uh, then we move on to 24. Abraham's old. Very, Abraham's very old. old. Uh, and he's like, do you want? I'm going to die, but I want my son to find a wife. So he sends out a servant. Uh, the servant goes out, and he's shown different signs by God that the woman that is going to be Isaac's wife uh, comes in contact with the servant named Rebecca. And uh, the servant takes her almost immediately, proves to the family. He's like, hey, she's going to go marry my servant's son, Isaac, and just takes her in the next day they leave. She's even like, hey, could I stay and say bye to my family for like one week? And he's like, no. And they just go. And she actually (laughs) follows, which is insane. And um, when they finally meet, Isaac's comforted after his mother's loss. And then the last one, 25. Look at that. Right under an hour. Heck yeah. Uh, Yeah, right at an hour. Right at an hour. We see Abraham uh, takes another wife before he dies. And he has some more sons and breezes last. And then he passes away. Yep. Uh, Ishmael comes back. Not seen him in a while. Um, Isaac and Ishmael bury their father. We do see some descendants of Ishmael. And then basically the generations of Isaac, he uh, has a son named Jacob and Esau, which is kind of where we're at now. We just yep. talked about it in 27. Um, some so more. we see their births and we see the promise from God mm-hmm. to um, Isaac before they're even born. Two nations are, are in your womb and two peoples from within you shall be divided. Um, the one shall be stronger than the other and the older shall serve the younger, which is a continuing thing. Yeah. Which we see. And then sells it for some soup. And we see Esau sells birthright for some soup. And I apologize if that what was a dummy. Dry. I hope I... Uh, no, it was good. No, it's just it was the, good. I, it was I, a I long t- episode. Yeah, it was a long episode. Um, if and you, it's if like you made it all the way to the end, we are proud congratulations. of you. You are a true listener here. We, we love you so much. But um, I hope you guys have a great time um, this week. Thank you for listening. Uh, we appreciate you guys really, truly. We really for, do. Uh, listening through literally half of Genesis. I mean, that's yeah. crazy. Like going over that, it's a lot. It's a lot, and we've but covered it all. That's like, yeah, we've done that, and you guys have been. And there once every again, step I know this way. is kind of a skim. So uh, if we missed anything, we're sorry. Yeah. Um, but you know, we've enjoyed this. Yeah. So, heck yeah. Uh, reach out to us. Contact us on Facebook, at Average Joe Theology, um, and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcasting platform. And with that, we will see you guys next week.